brought your Bible, go with me please to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9 this morning. As we begin a new sermon series called Let There Be Light. We'll be reading out of two portions of the scripture, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, and then John chapter 4, pardon, John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, and then John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. As we begin the Advent season, and for those of you not familiar, the word Advent means coming, and in the Advent season we celebrate the first coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We also anticipate His second coming. How many of you are anticipating the second coming of Christ? Our Lord is coming back, and He will rule and reign. But in this season of uh, Christmas, we celebrate the advent of our Lord, the coming of our Savior to the world. Through such extraordinary means as a virgin birth. And this month, I believe the Lord is calling us as a church to specifically reflect upon a very unique and awesome aspect of Advent. That is that Christ has come to bring light into the world. And the apostle, pardon the uh, prophet Isaiah, he writes in Isaiah chapter 9, a portion of scripture that is uh, related to the coming of the Messiah. He says, but there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. Doesn't that sound like good news already? There will be no more gloom for those who, for her who was, she who was in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephthali with contempt. But later on, he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of the Jordan. Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. And those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. And then John writes in his gospel, the Apostle John, that beautiful prologue to the gospel, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing has come into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Father, we thank You this morning for the light. We thank You that there is hope in the midst of darkness. This morning I would ask that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. And I pray that you would also anoint the hearing of this congregation. That they may hear the word and receive it as seed sown into the fertile soil of their hearts. And the church said, Amen. 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 You may be seated. I'm so glad to see that you survived Black Friday and Thanksgiving. Today we begin a new series in which we talk about light. When you think about Christmas, you think about the nativity season, you think about lights. Some of you have a Christmas tree, you put lights on it. Some of you put lights on your house. 
Some of you put a whole lot of lights on your house. And light is one of the essential elements to the season because it reminds us that there is a light that Christ came to bring to the world. But I want to just mention for a moment the great reality of darkness. You and I live in a world in which darkness is a definite reality. It's not only a reality in nature, we know that every day has its night. There is a reality of darkness in the world in which we live. And the Bible, in fact, calls the dominion of Satan the dominion of darkness. And I want to just point out the fact that the Bible doesn't say that it's the kingdom of Satan because Satan is not a king. I said Satan is not a king. All right, I knew you were here this morning. I was just making sure. He has a authority, a dominion given to him by, by Adam at the fall. But he is not a king. There is only one king. His name is Jesus and he rules and reigns forever. And yet the kingdom of darkness is a reality that the scripture talks about. Satan is the king or the, the, uh, the ruler of that dominion. I have personally seen this darkness in many times and places in my life, especially as a missionary, I encountered oftentimes moments where there was definitely the presence of the kingdom or the dominion of darkness. Even as a young, a young man, about 14 years old, my, my dad had a deliverance ministry. And if you don't know what that means, my father had a special gift from God for driving out devils. And uh, that's not the kind of thing you sign up for generally, but it happens, and that was what God gave him. And for a good part of my ministry, God gave me that too. And I always thought, Lord, if you're going to call somebody to drive out devils, it should be tall and, and a big guy with lots of strength. And no, you got to call me and my dad, right? And, and I, at about 14, I remember my father said, we're going to go bless a house. We're going to go pray for a house. I didn't know what he meant. When we walked into that house, you could feel the presence of darkness. And I knew at that moment that there was a reality of darkness in the world. Several years ago, traveling in Argentina in the desert, about six or seven hours by bus, we arrived at a little village called Jacobasi. We arrived at night, so we sat down for dinner in the pastor's home. And when we had sat down for dinner, someone knocked at the door and the, the pastor's wife opened the door and there was a woman standing pale-faced and frantic and she said, Pastor, would you please come and pray for my daughter? She is demon-possessed. And he looked at me kind of to see if I would give him an excuse not to go. I said, I think this is why I have come. And we walked out into the street. It was dark and we walked to the end of the street and then... He said, it's that house over there. And it was a long, dark uh, field that had been plowed over. And so we walked over that field. And I began to think, this is what I read about in the missionary books. We came into a little adobe hut. And the moment I walked into that, that hut, I could again feel the intense presence of darkness. Sitting upon the bed was a little girl of nine years old whose visage was so deformed. She looked like a, an aged woman. There was in her and over her a definite power of darkness. It is a reality in our world. 
And I'll just tell you this because I don't have the time for it, but Jesus delivered that little girl. And I remember when I saw her there, my first reaction was anger. I felt righteously indignant at the devil. And I said, devil, how dare you afflict the little girl? And I want you to know, church, that there is no, there is, the devil has no care or discernment as to who he afflicts. He has come to steal, kill, and destroy. If you're 9 or 90, he will do whatever he can to destroy your life. That is the work of the devil. Jesus said that he came to steal, kill, and destroy. That is the work of darkness. The Bible even calls hell outer darkness. In America, we see the darkness that surrounds us. This year, it was discovered to our horror, at least I hope it was to our horror, that a Planned Parenthood was selling baby parts. For profit. Does it get any darker than that? Does it get any darker for a nation that should be the most intellectual, the most advanced, the the nation that is at the head of the pack leading the world? Shall we be the nation that's selling body parts for, for profit? Friend, is there any greater darkness than that? We see the rise of terrorism and ISIS and we see the, all, the onslaught of darkness in our political powers seeming to be at unrest and unable to solve the problem. We see the horrors of sex trafficking of little girls for prostitution and we see that we live in a reality of darkness. Somebody said to me, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in the devil. I don't believe in demons. I said, you don't have to believe in them for them to be real. We know the darkness. The Bible says in Exodus that there was a darkness that can be felt. Have you ever felt the darkness? You walk into a dark room and you can feel the darkness. The Bible talks about that, a darkness that can be felt. Some of you feel darkness in the the way of depression. Winston Churchill, who was the uh, prime minister of the nation of England at a time in the Second World War, he struggled with depression. He called it the black dog. He talked about a darkness that afflicted his life, although he was at the prime of his political power, and yet there was a constant darkness that overcame him. Some of you feel darkness in the place of discouragement in your heart. Others feel it as fear, anxiety, worry, or loneliness. In fact, Christmas is one of the times in the world where we see the highest rate of this kind of darkness in people when they begin to reflect on the loved ones they've lost and the things they have missed and, and the opportunities that have passed them by and it just seems like darkness wants to overtake their life. And if it weren't bad enough, not only is there darkness without us, but there is darkness within. Because the Bible says that we have been darkened in our foolishness because we knew God and rejected Him. Then our foolish hearts have been darkened. We're darkened in our nature. The Bible says that man without God is like a blind man groping in the darkness trying to find his way. That is the nature of man. You leave man alone in his own nature and the only thing that he will produce is more darkness. He's lost without hope and without God in the world. Proverbs 4 verse 19 says that the way of the wicked is darkness. But guess what? Our sermon series isn't about darkness. As powerful as darkness is and as great and real as it is, there is a reality that is greater than darkness. There is a power that is greater than the power of darkness. It is the power of light. It is the power of our God and our King. Come on, somebody give God praise for He is our hope. All throughout the Bible we see God setting up as a signpost 
in history the fact that he would bring light to the world. In fact, the first three verses of the Bible describe this for us very well. It say that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And the Spirit of God hovered above the face of the waters. There was a complete darkness over the world. And God, seeing that darkness, said, Let there be light. And the Bible says, And there was light. At that moment, God put into, into the natural world something that already existed in the spiritual world. You see, light is just a visible reminder of a spiritual reality. And I want you to know today that it is God's will for you to walk in the light. You don't have to wonder about it. You don't have to guess about it. You don't have to think, I wonder if God wants me to live in the dark. No, friend. He wants you to live in the light. If today you're struggling with depression, he speaks into your life. Let there be light. If today you're dealing with anxiety, he says, let there be light. If you're dealing with fear, he says, let there be light. If you're dealing with drug addiction, he says, let there be light. That is God's will for your life that you would have light. If you're dealing with confusion, he says, let there be light. If you need wisdom in your soul, he wants you to have light. He wants you to walk in the clarity of divine revelation. You know what the Bible says? That the entrance of the word of God brings light. That's why you need to be in the word. That's why you need to pray and, and, and read the word and, and take it before God. Because it is a lamp, a light unto the darkness of our understanding. God wants you to have light in your life. And he wants you to be a light. And that's ultimately what this series is about this morning. It's about reminding us that we are not just heirs of light, but we are to be a light. Because this is the very will of God. I want to point out to you something that occurred in Exodus chapter 10, verse 20. Pharaoh has hardened his heart. God said to Moses, go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Simple instructions, right? And Pharaoh hardened his heart. He hardened it once, twice, Seven times, eight times. On the eighth time, he hardened his heart. Let me just tell you, friend, when you start hardening your heart, eventually God will harden it for you. So be careful. Pharaoh hardened his heart, and the Bible said the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. And God told Moses, take your staff and, and speak this, this ninth plague over the land of Egypt. And Moses began to, to speak a plague over the land of Egypt and darkness came over the entire land. So dark, the Bible said they couldn't see even their hand in front of their face. For three days, the nation of Egypt didn't get up or go out of, out of, out of the house. It was absolute darkness. Think about that. And let me just tell you that God can turn the lights out when he wants you know, we get so, so proud and we think, I've got it going on. I've got it all figured out. Friend, if God wants to turn the lights out, he'll turn the lights out. And America can come crippling to its knees in a moment if God said so. There was a king in the Bible named Nebuchadnezzar. He, he looked out over Babylon. He was standing on his balcony. He said, oh my, look at me. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've accomplished. I did this. I built this great Babylon and the Lord heard him. And said, you know what? Shut the lights out on that guy. And for seven years, Nebuchadnezzar was stuck in darkness. One of the greatest minds in the world. Dark. 
Seven years he lived in the forest like a beast of the field, eating grass. His hair grew long, his, his nails grew like, grew like claws. And for seven years that man lived in darkness because God shut out the lights. For seven years he lived in that condition until the Lord said, all right, let's turn the lights back on. And when the lights came on, Nebuchadnezzar realized what he had done. He said, oh God, this is what you have built. This is what you have done. You are the king of kings. You are the God of all gods. And Nebuchadnezzar had light again. And so when God wants to turn the lights out, he'll do it. And he did it for Egypt. Three days they lived in darkness. And it was such a, a, a gripping darkness they could feel it. They couldn't leave their house. It was so dark. There was no hope for Egypt. They became hopeless in their despair. They called on Moses and said, All right, Moses, we give up. We give in. Uh, tell God to turn the lights back on. And I just think about this. If they couldn't endure three days of darkness, how will those endure an eternity separated from God in an eternal darkness? Friend, today if you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart, but say yes to Christ. Come to Jesus, the light of the world. Let him turn your light, your darkness into light. Otherwise, you may be in eternal despair for your soul. But look at what verse 23 says. I love this verse. It says that they saw not one another, neither rose from their place for three days, but. That's one of my favorite words, but. It's a little conjunction. It turns the direction of the sentence. The Egyptians couldn't see their hand in front of their face, but the children of Israel had light in their home. Did you hear what I said? The Egyptians were in absolute darkness, but the children of Israel had light in their home. Are there any children of God in this house this morning? Can I tell you that it doesn't matter how dark it gets, doesn't matter how dark it gets around you, the children of God will have light in their home. They're going to have hope in their home. They're going to have peace in their home. I'm going to need a little faith this morning because there is, there is a promise here. God says, my children, my kids, I'm going to take care of my kids. I remember the story of E.V. Hill. He was a, a, a pastor in, in California. He said that one, one day he came home from work and they had turned the lights off at, ha at the house. They hadn't paid the bill. And he didn't know about it. His wife had found out about it before he got home. And she didn't want to, to let him know that, that the lights had been cut. Because she didn't want to embarrass him. He was working as hard as he could. And, and he was doing all he could to provide. But they had turned the lights off. And so she wanted to spare him the embarrassment of coming home and not having any electricity. That's, that's a good woman, isn't it? And he, he called her baby. He said, baby, uh, when he got home, she had a candlelit dinner on the table. And he said, why are the lights off? She said, we're going to have a candlelit dinner tonight. Even in the, in the poorest of homes, there's light. In the household of God's children, there's light. 
And she had figured, well, you know, I have a little bit of money stored up. I'll pay it up in the morning. But she wanted, when her husband got home, she wanted there to be some light. She wanted there to be some hope. She wanted there to be some peace. Can I tell you, friend, that that is God's will for your life, that you would have the light of God in your home. And you and I need to claim this every day. Doesn't matter what darkness comes against you. You stand at the door of your house and you say, in my house there will be light. Because this is the house of the children of God. This is the house where God... God dwells. Friend, where God dwells is light. God won't leave his children in the dark. Tell your, tell your neighbor, God won't leave you in the dark. Has he ever left you in the dark? He may have found you in the dark. In fact, he found all of us in the dark. You remember when you were wandering in the dark without hope and without God in the world, but then Jesus showed up. Jesus showed up in your shipwreck and he led you back to the lighthouse. He led you back to hope. He won't leave his children in the dark. He is such a kind and generous Savior. And the Bible says that when the Egyptians had finally released Israel, that they went out into the wilderness. And now they were in the desert. Now they were in the darkness. But in the midst of that darkness, there arose a column of fire over the land, over the people of Israel. And everywhere they went, there was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And those chilly desert nights were made warm by the light of an almighty God. Can I tell you today that there is still a column of fire that follows the children of God. That he will lead you and guide you into all truth. And that he will be your constant comfort and your light. This is the promise of God for us. Second Samuel twenty two twenty nine says, Though Lord, you are my light, you will lighten my darkness. We need to confess that today. Oh God, you are my light. You will lighten my darkness. Psalm 112 verse 4. It says, Upon unto the upright he brings light out of their darkness. I want you to see this, church, that light is just an illustration of who God is. The sun is just an illustration of who God is. Think about this. The sun shines 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, without a break ever since creation. That is one good light bulb. Oh, God had had set it in the heavens and it has been burning brightly every single hour of every single day for all the time of creation and it's going to burn brightly until God says it's enough. And you know, this, this sun that shines in the heavens, it's just a visible reminder of who Jesus is to us, who God is to us. You see, God is greater than the sun. The sun is an awesome, uh, uh, an amazing uh, act of creation, but God is greater than the sun. The Bible says this is the message that we have heard and what has been announced to you, that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Can I tell you that if you walk with God, you will not walk in darkness because He is the light itself. He is light and He wants you to walk in that light. Furthermore, we see that this light became a man. This light became a human being. But the Bible says that the Word became flesh. It dwelled among us. It was talking about the Son of God. The Bible tells us that this light became a man. And in John chapter 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. 
I am the light of the world. He was saying, I am the hope for your darkness. I am the hope for your despair. I am the end for your gloom. I am the light of the world. John said it this way. He says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing has come into being that has come into being. In him, in Christ, was the life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness. And the darkness could not overpower it. Are you hearing me, church? I said the darkness could not overpower it. There is no darkness in your life that can overpower Jesus. There is no depression, no despair, no anxiety, no worry, no fear, no lostness that can overpower Jesus. There is no drug addiction that can overpower Jesus. There is no power of hell itself that can overpower Jesus. I wish I was preaching in a Pentecostal church this morning. I wish there was somebody that knew what I was talking about. Jesus has never met his match. He says, if you will follow me, you'll never walk in darkness. If you will follow me, you will never walk in darkness. You remember the day when you started walking in the light? Come on, don't act so religious this morning. I know where some of you came from because you told me. You were walking in darkness. Everything went and nothing worked out. Lost without hope, without God. And then the light came on. Jesus, save your soul. You started following Jesus and you started walking in the light. I remember the story of our missions director, Pastor Montoya. He said that they were, they were traveling in Africa. And, and, you know, in Africa, if you have a car, it's a miracle, but don't expect it to be a great car. And while they were driving, the lights went out on the car. And it was night and it was raining. And, you know, Bishop Lamptey, he said, we're going to keep driving. That ought to scare you right there. They were driving in the dark, in the rain. The missionaries thought, this is it. We're going home. We're going to see Jesus tonight. (laughs) Then all of a sudden, he said, two Mack trucks came out of nowhere. One passed him up and the other got behind him. They signaled with their lights, follow us. That car in absolute darkness began to follow the light. It got them back to the city of Accra where they needed to go because someone, somebody came and led them out of the darkness. Can I tell you, friend, that if you'll just follow Jesus, he'll lead you right to the place where you need to be. He is the light of the world. He says, follow me. Follow me, I'll lead you out of the dark. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. How many of you have life in Jesus? He wants to give you an abundant life. Some of you have been walking with Jesus for more than 40 years. Some of you have been walking with Jesus for about four days. Let me tell you this. If you just started walking with Jesus, it gets sweeter every day. Every single day it gets sweeter. Every day that light grows brighter. I I tell the devil sometimes, devil, you lost me. Because every single day with Jesus, it just made me more convinced and more sure that he is my friend, that he is the hope of my life, that he is the joy of my spirit, that he is the light 
in the midst of my darkness. He says, you will have the light of life. What happens when you come into the light? Something, something happens that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. You see, generally sin is done in darkness. Right? Well, people don't generally do illegal drugs at, at the diner. People don't generally rob their company in the middle of daylight. Evil deeds are done in darkness, but see, when the light comes, the light starts to expose what's in the darkness. That's why the enemy fights you coming to church. Because when the word's being preached, it's like shining a spotlight over our lives. And then somebody said, I thought pastor was preaching just to me. I don't know how he knew what I was doing this week. I don't know what you're doing this week, but God does. And when the light starts shining on your life, things start getting exposed. A lot of times people get saved and they start feeling like their life starts falling apart. Because all of a sudden light is shining on them, didn't used to be there. And they're starting to see how bad things really are. But you see, the light brings freedom. Because the moment you're exposed, now you're free. The moment that that sin begins to be dealt with, now the enemy can't use it against you anymore. Now your past no longer has power over you because the light has made you free. So when you walk into the light, sometimes it exposes some things. But that's only so that God can heal those parts of your life that need healing. Today I want to tell you, bring it into the light. Whatever it is you're dragging around, that ball and chain that you have been dragging around for years, drag it into the light. Put it at the feet of the cross. Let Jesus deal with it today. Let him wipe it away and give you a clean slate. That's what happens when you come into the light. You see, the light of God doesn't bring shame or condemnation, but it brings grace and freedom. It causes you to know that your sins have been dealt with, that they have been put into your past, and they can no longer haunt you or afflict you. The light brings healing, because now that wound that has been growing and festering has been brought into the light. It's been exposed, and now God can heal it. Now God can deal with it. Can I tell you, friend? That there is a sun that shines 24 hours a day. And yet there's still darkness on the earth. Why is that? The sun shines 24 hours a day, yet there's darkness. Why? Because in the earth's rotation on its axis, there's a certain time every day when the sun is covered by the earth on certain parts of the globe. That comes into darkness. It's like the earth has turned its back on the light. The only thing that has to come for morning to happen again is for the earth to turn. And thank God that he set the earth so that it turns all by itself. But you see, today, some of you have given your light. You've given your back to the light. You say, when will morning come? When will things change? I'll tell you when they'll change. When you turn around. Expose yourself to the light. This morning, you've exposed yourself to the light. And God is saying, just turn around. Rotate on that little axis of your own life and turn back to me. Let me be the hope that you're seeking. Let me be the remedy that you are looking for. Let me be the healer of your soul. God wants there to be light in your life. He sent Jesus 
to be that light in the midst of our darkness. 2,000 years ago, a star in a dark night began to shine a light saying there is a, a king that's been born. Angels illuminated the night sky over those shepherds. They announced the coming of the Son of God. In that little stable, God became a human being. The light of the world walked among us, spoke our language, felt our infirmity, our anxiety, so that today, if you will hear his voice and turn to him, he'll save you and he'll change you and he'll restore your hope and he'll restore your life. He'll do a complete job of it. That is God's will for your life today. All you have to do is turn around. Sometimes we wonder, why am I in the dark? Why are things going wrong? Why, why are things against me? Friend, you've turned your back on the light. Turn around. Turn to Christ. Give him your back no more. Fall on your knees and ask him to come into your heart. Today, he will receive you and he'll make you his own. And you'll no longer walk in darkness, but you'll walk in the light. And I want to just say this in closing. Some of you this morning are being tempted by the darkness. The darkness says, come try this. Come taste what I've got. No, friend. Walk in the light. Walk in the light. Stay on the path of light. Let God be your guide. Let that pillar of a cloud and that pillar of fire lead you through the wilderness of your soul. He'll lead you back to Christ. Lead you to Jesus. Friend, he'll be the comfort that you seek. Maybe you took a wrong turn. You ended up in darkness. Turn to the light. He's never far away. When he comes in, he dispels the night. He dispels the fear. That darkness so dense you can feel it begins to be pushed away by the light of God's presence in your life. Can I encourage anybody this morning? Today, are you hearing God's voice? Are you hearing him call out to you? Today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. God wants to make your life new. He wants to make your life whole. The song we sang today said, I'm half a man. Great description of man's condition. Only God can make you whole. Only God can make you new. And I'm standing here as one among many who have experienced the power of God's transforming in a heart and in a life. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't turn your back to him. Say yes to him. He'll receive you and he'll make you his own. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. And if you would, just everyone in, in, in stillness, bow your head. The entrance of the word brings light. Now I want you to, as you have your head bowed, I want you to think on this one little word. Let. Let there be light. Let. That's up to you. God has provided the light. You have to let it in. You have to let your heart over to Him. 
have to let him come in and do what only he could do. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that if there are any within the sound of my voice who have not received Christ as their Savior, that today the Holy Spirit will bring conviction on their heart. That they would walk out of the darkness and into the marvelous light. I pray that if there's any who has gone wayward, forsaking the path of light, that today they would no longer give their back to you, but that they would turn to you and find the hope that can only be found in Christ. I pray that they would have the strength of will to let you into their heart. For your word says that you stand at the door and knock. If anyone will hear your voice and open the door, they'll come in. I ask that you would do that this morning. In Jesus' name.